Has the winter season taken a toll on your tile, upholstery, carpet? Call Cyclone Cleaners, 570-726-6200. For all your carpet, upholstery, and ceramic tile cleaning needs, it's Cyclone Cleaners. Also offering odor treatment and soil and stain guard. Choose the only cleaning company that supplies the water to clean your home and disposes of it when they are finished. Call Cyclone Cleaners to schedule your cleaning today, 570-726-6200. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This week on Munchkin Land, Sam is here to tell us all about Gen Con 2019. Gen Con 2019 is already done and over with, and I did not go to the show myself. But I ended up spending like $200 without even going to the show. How is that possible? We're going to talk about that this week. And joining me to talk about Gen Con 2019 is Samantha Nelson. You know her as uh, as Little Sparkle on the Critical Hit podcast. You probably also read all of her fantastic articles that she writes for Escapist Magazine at escapismagazine.com. Sam, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Always fun to be here. So you were feet on the ground for how many days? Five days at the convention? Three days uh, at the convention? I mean, four days. The convention goes from Thursday to Sunday, though I got in Wednesday night because that's the best time to get in and check into your hotel and get some sleep before the madness really starts. Now, is, was there anything like this year at the San Diego Comic-Con? It was the 50th anniversary of Comic-Con. Was there any big things going on for Gen Con this year or not? Well, the 50th anniversary for Gen Con was uh, last, last year. year? So yeah. thing, or maybe it was two years ago. Uh, you put me on the spot. But, um, you know, this year was pretty much standard. I mean, it's it's still sold out, as it, it does pretty much every year. Um, it's still a, a totally insane experience. Um, you know, there were uh, your usual huge crowds of cosplayers and tons and tons and tons and tons of games releasing or being demoed mm-hmm. or, um, you know, being previewed and uh, tournaments and nerd-themed burlesque shows. And there's always... Um, <laughs> True Dungeon, where they take Lucas Oil Stadium, where the uh, oh, yeah, the Colts right. play, and then they turn it into a, a literal dungeon where you can, like, this year we've got to fight a demon and a mind flare, among other things. Very, very cool. And you and this is this also the one that you do as your team, uh, team uh, so, RPG? Uh, well, I mean, we do it as a team to, to some degree. The, the team RPG sadly didn't happen this year. It was the, the Pathfinder tournament. That, that got canceled this year. I'm hoping maybe it'll come back next year with uh, Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Well, let's talk about Pathfinder 2nd Edition because it landed uh, just this past week, August uh, 1st or whatever it was, whatever mm-hmm. that Thursday was. And we've got a couple of copies here at the Major Spoilers HQ. Uh, D&D Brian is going through it. 
I was surprised at how heavy these books were. Oh, God, they're so big. Like, you could definitely use the player's handbook as a lethal weapon. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was just like, I was like, oh, there's going to be like three or four books in this. No, there's two books. There's the player's guide, and then there's the GM guide. And Mm -hmm. the player's guide is just... well, it's the player's guide in the bestiary. Yeah, in the bestiary. So it's basically like your monster, monster manual, manual combined yeah, together. Exactly. The other thing that I found really fascinating because I was wondering what Roll20 was going to do. Because Roll20, and I'm really surprised, a lot of people still think that Roll20 is only a Dungeons & Dragons oh, not even online close. service. And they've got, I mean, they've got everything on there and you can cobble it together to, to fit any system that you want. But also day of release, uh, Pathfinder 2.0 available on Roll20.net. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, I mean, Paizo really wanted to be able to hit the ground running. They also, um, you know, I haven't seen much about this yet, but they they released their uh, rule books early to all mm-hmm. their third-party publisher partners so that they can kind of get brewing on creating even more support for the game. Oh, yeah, I think that's going to be fascinating. I Just some of the things that are going on with Roll20 right now are very cool. I saw they uh, uh, put in some animated uh, uh, GIFs so that you could have, like, crawling spiders and things on, on the screen. Oh, that's awesome. And I cannot wait to see. And I, I, I've been very pleased with what I, I've seen with Starfinder on Roll20. But before we get to the electronic side of Pathfinder 2.0, what are your initial thoughts of the the game? Did you get a chance to play it at Gen Con or have you just been going through the manuals? Um, You know, I got uh, copies early as well and um, was able to to play uh, a session on Thursday night. And Honestly, you know, I also did a bunch of character creation. Kevin actually, my husband, uh, ran the game, but I helped uh, make six different characters. And I, you know, I was a huge skeptic of Pathfinder 2 going in. I was like, why is this necessary? You know, the uh, the whole Pathfinder really, like, came as a, a game that was an alternative for people who didn't want to make the switch over to 4th Ed. And, like, now you're asking people to make a switch, and it's like, is this going to go over well? Um, I was pretty impressed. I mean, the, the game still has some flaws, for sure. Like, mm-hmm. you know, one of the signature classes of Pathfinder is Alchemist. And I'm, I'm still, I, I think that they've made some changes to it uh, that don't quite work, and I, I'm not impressed with it relative. I wasn't impressed with it when I played a demo of it at Origins, and I still wasn't impressed with it when I saw it in in action here but mm-hmm. um otherwise i i really liked it um you know it almost feels a little bit more like descent to some degree and that um okay. every uh character has three actions each round so instead of your like move action swift action or minor action or, and standard action you just have three actions and you can spend them in different ways so like you can take an action to move an action to attack and an action to cast a spell. Now, like some spells cost more than one action to do. And like some, you know, some things like uh, making a nature check to try to identify something costs an action. So there's like a lot of flexibility. So I was like playing a druid Mm -hmm. and I I found like I had a lot of different options, even at level two, whereas like, I feel like in most level two experiences, all you can really do is like cast your cantrip or like make a basic attack. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it sounds very cool. I barely had a chance to look through it before Brian was like, nope, I'm going to take it. Nice. And so I know he's pouring through the uh, through the manual now. We got ours like last week, I want to say. Yeah. Um, but uh, just flipping through some of the characters, some of the uh, monsters looked uh, uh, very interesting. And I can't wait to see what the best streamlined parts of the game are and where the big improvements are from from the previous version. Yeah. I, I Like I said, I found I've. I think that it gives you a lot more choices, especially at low level. I think what I'm most excited about is to try to, like, you know, stress test it by playing it at higher levels and see what breaks, what works, what doesn't. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, going off of Pathfinder, and I'm sure we're going to see a lot more of this come out over the next couple of weeks because people are coming back from Gen Con, finding a huge box that uh, is going to injure their back. 
uh, (laughs) waiting at their door. But I want to talk about some of the other games and some of the things that I found very, very fascinating. And I wanted to start with the one that I ended up spending money on. The game's not even out. Uh, I saw the announcement, and even before I read through what the game was completely, I went ahead and pre-ordered Marvel Champions. Now, Marvel Champions, when I first saw it, I was like, oh my gosh, they have taken one of my favorite games, Arkham Horror, the living card game, which we're playing on our YouTube channel for Munchkin Land. Uh, You can find our YouTube channel, by the way, at Major Spoilers Video. Uh, But Marvel Champions really kind of looked like initially like just reskinning um, the Arkham Horror Living Card Game with Marvel superheroes. But my understanding after going through and watching a couple of demos and reading some of the instructions that they have online, that it's more akin to uh, combining uh, the Lord of the Rings and the, what was it, the Ascension? No, what's the uh, the cyberpunk game that uh, Fantasy Flight has? But basically combining those two together to create oh, uh, Marvel Net Champions. Hack? Yeah, uh, Netrunner. Netrunner is Net what Runner, I think it is. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but you had a chance to actually play this game, Sam. Yeah, so I found it, I mean, to be honestly very similar to being, say, a customizable Sentinels in the multiverse that's Mm -hmm. Marvel-themed. Yeah. Um, So, like, you know, every player plays, like, a classic Marvel hero. Um, So I was playing, like, uh, Black Panther, and uh, at the table we also had uh, Iron Man and um, uh, Spider-Man. Spider-Man, and and there's also the Hulk and Captain Marvel are the two other characters that come in the base game. Yeah, it's actually She-Hulk. Oh, She-Hulk, not the Hulk, sorry. choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then, yeah, um, the, the the decks are customizable. I mean, we were using pre-built back decks just for the purpose of the demo, but you start with like a core set of cards that correspond to to your specific hero, mm-hmm. um, where, and then you also get to like splice in all these other things that are like, um, you know, more generic cards. So you can have like a helicarry or, or allies like Nick Cage, or, or Nick, not Nick Cage, um, Luke Cage or Nick Fury. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Both of them were allies. Although, you and, know, you could probably have Nick Cage as an ally too. And yeah, there that we would go. be kind that'd of be interesting. Like, yeah, that, that would be he's just like <laughs> runs in there as a hellraiser um but um and then yeah i mean much like sentinels you're fighting a big villain uh and you mm-hmm. have to try to reduce him to zero health before he reduces you to zero health yeah um and rather than like an environment it's there's he has schemes right. um uh which are like things that can you know cause nasty things to happen to you unless you deal with them which kind of and reminded so- me a little bit of legendary too uh, you know, I never actually played Legendary. Oh, you you want to try that if you get a chance. Uh, it's, yeah. It's kind of long and involved. Just, I mean, it's a card shuffling game, but yeah. they, they have the Marvel Legendary. I, I just love that game a lot. But it's nice. the same kind of thing where there are certain things that happen that you're trying to prevent from happening that can be triggered when certain events happen. The one thing yeah. that I liked about Marvel Champions and, and the thing that really kind of sets it apart from uh, what I've played with Arkham Horror is the fact that you get a flip back and forth between your superhero identity and your secret identity. Yeah, I liked that a lot. And like there are different cards you play in either identities. And and there are definitely um there so one thing I thought was really funny is that each hero has like an obligation that's shuffled into the um the action deck. So like as the bad guy is dealing out cards, like some of them are pretty generic. Like it's like I summon like a mine a minion that that you now have to deal with. But some of them are like the, each hero shuffles in some obligation. So like Spider-Man can like get evicted and you have to go oh, deal yeah. with that. Mm-hmm. Or like uh, you know, um Black Panther has to like go back to Wakanda and go be king. And like, it means like you have to go change your mode into T'Challa uh, from Black Panther and like go deal with your state issues before you can get back into the fight. And I, I think also, too, especially with from what I saw in some of the uh, plays, uh, playthroughs that I saw, especially with Iron Man and T'Challa or Tony Stark and T'Challa, when you're in your uh, public identity mode, 
um, you can actually build up your your armor or build up your your equipment so that when you're ready to trigger it. And I think um, uh, Wakanda Forever is the trigger for Black Panther, Correct, where yeah. all of your items trigger at the same time and you just unleash a massive attack. Yeah, exactly. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and like, yeah, Iron Man has to like sit there building up his armor before he like is ready to suit off. Whereas like Spider-Man is a lot more easy. Like he'd seem to just be able to like be Spider-Man almost all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, it, it just looks like a fun game. I, I told Brad the minute that I saw that it dropped, I was like, guess what we're playing right after Arkham Horror. And uh, he seemed pretty, pretty down with it. And the other cool thing is that Marvel Champions, unlike the again, I'm going to just keep referring to Arkham Horror. This one automatically out of the box is playable from one to four players, and you've got all the cards that you need for one to four players, unlike Arkham Horror, where you basically had to buy two base sets uh, for this. This one, you only have to buy one. Yeah, um, and yet they still got you for $200. So. Well, yes, and because I got all the playmats, because I just thought all the playmats <laughs> were really cool, too. The base price for this is $59.95, 60 bucks with shipping, comes out in October, and then the way that they're going to... Um, have releases on this is every month they're going to release new packs and in the pack order it's oh i think it's always going to be a hero a villain and then a, a campaign or a scenario so uh, the first expansion that will come out of this and these i don't know if they've announced the um or i guess it's villain then hero then um um scenario set but I don't know if they've announced a price on these. I'm going to guess they're going to be about 20 bucks a piece because that's what current expansions are for Arkham Horror. But in October, we get the core set. Then in November, it's the Green Goblin set. December is Captain America Steve Rogers, and you get all the cards that you need to play that. Then in January comes Ms. Marvel, Kamala Khan. And then nice. in February, we're getting uh, the Wrecking Crew scenario, which should be oh, really kind of really cool, funny. too. So the uh, what is the is there only the Rhino? Is that the only villain that you fight in the base set? Oh, no. I mean, I don't know how many villains there were. Uh, again, I mostly was I was just playing the, the demo. But when we pl- played the demo, we actually fought uh, Ulysses Claw. Ah, OK, cool. All right, cool. I'm I, I the only ones that I saw were the Rhino ones. So I was like, I'm hoping there's a couple of other uh, villains that we get to fight in this. So yeah, I, definitely. Th- this is the one that I'm most excited about uh, just because it, it seems right up my alley with the card building, the shuffling and the and the flavins and everything. The one that I'm kind of mixed on is the one that is coming from Atomic Mass Games. It was also announced at the final uh, at the uh, Fantasy Flight um, press conference. Is Marvel Crisis Protocol? Now, did you get a chance to see this one? I, you know, I did not. This was uh, to me from everything that I saw in my Twitter feed and uh, in the social medias and from other people that I was talking about who saw this news. This is the one that most people are super excited about because this is a tactics game with miniatures. That you are moving around and fighting, and it, it, I guess it may have some Sentinels Tactics types uh, things in here. To me, when I looked at it, and of course, if you're interested in Marvel Crisis Protocol, you can download the complete manual now that tells you how you play the game. Um, but the miniatures are 42. My understanding is that they're 42 millimeter, um, or yeah, 42 uh, millimeter sized figures instead of the 28 that you normally have with RPG stuff. The you do have to put these figures together like you have to put the head on, you have to put the arms and the torso on and then you have to paint them. So for me, that was kind of automatically kind of a letdown because I was like, oh, I kind of wanted these pre-painted so they looked awesome and not crappy whenever I paint my miniatures. 
Yeah, uh, like I, I, I'm not a tactical miniatures person, and I know a lot of people, and like that's half the fun is the customizing and the painting, uh-huh. and but it's it is just way more work than I'm ever going to invest in a game. Have you ever played the X-wing uh, game, the X-wing tactics game that I, the Fantasy I have. Flight has? I wasn't, you know, I'm honestly not wild about tactical miniatures mm-hmm. games in general. Uh, so, I, like, I did play the X-wing game, and it just didn't do much for me. And that is the problem. That's the second problem that I have with Mar- Marvel Crisis Protocol is that. You do have those measurement tools. So, if, uh, for example, uh, Spider-Man has like an electric taser uh, mm-hmm. slinger. And if you want to use that, you then have to pull out the little cardboard strip and measure how far away are you going to be able to hit him or not hit him. And so you've got that. And then there's a little flexible um, uh, distance marker for movement so that you can move however, whatever the distance is for each of these characters. But the thing that I like about it is that it actually does have a flexible bend in it so that you can move around corners and everything without having to use like the the turn marker or those weird angled ones that you see in the X-Wing game. So that's, oh, that's pretty cool. cool. The other thing, and this is what they showed at the show, was this big three foot by three foot subway um, game area that, you know, it's all 3D. It's got pillars and uh, subway cars and all this other stuff. The other thing that's got a lot of people excited about the Marvel Crisis Protocol is it actually has these elements that you can buy. Now the base set comes with a little daily bugle newsstand. So it's got a little building. It's That's got cute. a, it's got a, some, uh, a garbage uh, can. It's got some lamps. It's got, I think one car that comes with it. And then you get to uh, buy other things for other scenarios and other events, including, I think all the way up to that giant three foot by three foot um, uh, gaming area for the subway station, which I think is very, very fascinating. Now they did say that the largest that this would be would be, three foot by three foot. So I don't think people who are into the Warhammer 40 K and are using, you know, a giant four foot by eight foot or 16 by 16 foot, uh, uh, plywood tables. Uh, I don't think you're going to have to go that far, but the storage of this stuff also kind of turned me away. Sure. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a big commitment in so many ways. Yeah. I, I know people, I, I, I talked to uh, Brian Ibbett, uh, this week on the morning stream, uh, he said that he might just be buying these just so he can have the miniatures and paint the miniatures and have them on display. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I know it's definitely like I've got some uh, friends that are extremely into Kingdom Death Monster and they, mm, they play mm-hmm. the game. But I swear, like the biggest appeal is just showing off the minis. Oh, yeah. And if you've uh, if you ever get a chance to go to Dr. Brad Will's house, he's got those things everywhere because he he loves that game and he loves painting the miniatures and they're all over the place and you just look at them. So that's pretty cool. So um, Marvel Crisis Protocol, it's coming out through uh, Atomic Mass Games. I don't know what Final, uh, I'm sorry, I keep saying Final Fantasy, uh, what Fantasy Flight Games' connection with this is, uh, if they're going to help with some of the um, uh, distribution or sell-throughs or whatever. Uh, but uh, I guess that will be remain to be uh, seen. But we can look for this in the final quarter of 2019. So October, November, December is my guess. Uh, The other thing from uh, Fantasy Flight, Arkham Horror related, is the new Arkham Horror Final Hour game, which is this, um, is this like the other, is this like the first um, Arkham Horror game that they came out with? Not the, oh, now I'm forgetting the the title of the one. Uh, It's the one where you're inside the museum. Oh, I don't know that I ever played that uh, version. And I'm going to have to look and see. But uh, tell, tell us about Arkham Horror Final Hour. So the, the concept of Arkham Final Hour is pretty funny. It's the, you've lost. Um, oh, like right, this yeah. This is the, it's the, you know, you're playing your game of Arkham, you're trying to stop the great old one from showing up, and you failed. So the great old one is here. And basically Arkham is just overrun by cultists and monsters, and this is the last final ditch attempt to, like, save the world. Um 
So it's a much faster game than Arkham because really all you're doing is running around fighting things and like to some degree investigating, but like most of the narrative stuff has been uh, stripped away. And instead it's more of like a, it's, it's a lot less cooperative. It's not that it's competitive, but there are a lot more like strict uh, rules about like how much you can communicate with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, Basically, everyone has a deck, and, and they're all your classic Arkham characters. So I was playing Ashcan Pete. Nice. Um, and uh, so each person has a deck of certain actions you can take. And at the top of the action of the card are like aggressive actions where you like move and attack a monster or move and pick up some gear. And at the bottom of the card are like more passive actions, like I, you investigate. And then also almost always something bad happens, like you you investigate and the monsters activate, or you investigate and you summon some monsters. Oh, okay. Um, and there's basically like a little bidding system to see who gets to play what, mm-hmm. um, where you play like certain cards that are kind of like almost an initiative order. And so if you really want to get to play your active card, you play a low card. If you really want to pay, and if you don't care, you play a high card and you'll probably pay, play your passive one. Um, and basically you're just running around a map uh, trying to beat down as many monsters and uh, grab as many clues as you can before you're overwhelmed. Um, and you lose if any of your investigators die or if your base of operations is destroyed and there are some monsters that wreck buildings as they go yeah um so it's very fast-paced very chaotic um we only got to play like you know two rounds in the demo and then um came very close to winning um, wow really yeah well because in the end you like turn in all the clues you've gathered Mm -hmm. and like basically attempt to uh seal the away the gate and again because like you're not really allowed to communicate no one really knows what anyone else has in terms of like their ability to uh to help it so you're just kind of like hoping that you have enough resources to make it work well but even then in two rounds you've played a fourth of the game because there's only eight rounds in the game yeah, and, exactly. Like um, I said, it's a, it's a much faster paced version than uh, than the traditional Arkham Horror. So if you want like yeah. something like Arkham flavored, but only have like 45 minutes to play, like it's a good option for yeah. you. Uh, the game that I was thinking of was the iOS version of Elder Sign, where you're running around oh, inside okay, Miskatonic sure. Museum. This one, you're just running around uh, Miskatonic University uh, gotcha. trying to to close the gate and send the older gods away. Do we know what the uh, release date or anything is on, on this uh, one? It released at Gen Con. Ah, so okay. it is out now. Now, is this something that you're going to pick up? It's like 40 bucks. Yeah, I, you know, I don't know that I'm actually going to pick it up for $40. I thought it was neat, but um, I honestly prefer the longer narrative style. Like, my, my favorite of the Arkham games is actually Eldritch Horror, which is mm-hmm. like a big globe-spanning yep. one that takes absolutely forever to play. Yep. Yep. Um, but, like, I find deeply satisfying. So, um, you know, it's probably not something that I would personally invest in, but if you... If you like, if you're one of those people that really likes the flavor of Arkham and can never find like a group committed enough to play for like the two to three hours that it takes, mm-hmm. like that's a good good option for you. Yeah, I've got all of the um, Eldritch Horror stuff, and it takes up a lot of space. It takes a lot of time, and so we don't get to play it that often simply because of the length of time that it takes to to play that game. Also, Mansions yeah. of Madness is a lot of fun. Um, you know, they've got. Yeah, they've got so much cool stuff over at uh, Fantasy Flight. Now, they did oh, announce yeah. a bunch of new Star Trek, uh, not Star Trek, Star Wars stuff uh, as well, uh, bringing a lot of the, um, like, Bosk's ship is coming over. They're bringing Armada over to the 2.0 system. Uh, it looked like this year was a big year for bringing past stuff that that people liked into the 2.0 system. And if you're a fan of, of that game, then by all means, I'm sure you already know about all of that stuff and are ready to uh, to suck it up and... And spend your money to get all new miniatures. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so 
while, let's see, if there was, oh, there's one other game that I was really, I heard about at the San Diego Comic-Con because I'm pretty sure that's where they first announced it. And I was just like, oh, okay, Funko has got some little pop mini game. It can't be that good. But then everyone I've talked to who played the Funko um, board game, the Funko, it's called the DC Funko Universe. Uh, they've got a whole bunch of them. They've got DC, they've got Harry Potter, they've got Rick and Morty, and then they've got the Golden Girls of all things. <laughs> Yeah, I saw the booth for it. It's funny. I actually they'd reach out to me and they're like, "Hey, we're doing a game. Like, do you want to come over?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I definitely do." And then they never responded to me, oh, so I like never boo. actually made uh had a chance to get over there and test it out. But um, yeah, so I I really couldn't tell you how how it plays, but it definitely looked cool. Now I know Dan Patras has played it. I know he's going to probably talk about it on an upcoming um, Top Five Express, or he may be talking about it on the next Munchkin Minute. I know that Scott is trying to get him on board for this week's. Um, uh, the morning stream to do a big Gen Con wrap up. But he also responded back to me. And when this came out at San Diego Comic-Con, it's like, okay, it's just a little, little strategy game using the pop minis. And that's, that's cool, I guess. And then he played it and he just, he just kept braving me. He kept sending me direct, uh, instant messages saying, oh man, this game is really a lot more fun than, than it, than you think it is on the, on the surface. It's super easy to get, get into. It's good for people who are experienced with strategy games, even for people who are not experienced with strategy games, it's easy to learn. And, uh, the launching products, you know, DC, Harry Potter, uh, Rick and Morty and the golden girls, probably enough to attract some people. And, uh, best of all, Dan said that, uh, there's a lot of other licenses coming that they couldn't talk about because they haven't gotten it all finalized yet for the game. So this is something that uh, Funko Games is really investing heavy, heavily in, I think, in uh, 2019 and into 2020 and beyond. So um, I think a lot of people who love the minis, who love the, the, the pop finals, are probably going to love the minis as well. And if they can play a game with it, more power to them. So Yeah, for sure. Yep. Uh, okay. Beyond those games that I'm super excited about or, or saw a lot of interest in, this fall, I cannot wait, or I guess whenever it launches, is Cyberpunk 2077, the video game. Yeah, that's coming I'm, out in April next in, year. In April of next year. So I know that all of my uh, minimal, uh, you know, Social Security uh, uh, IRS refund is probably <laughs> going to go to right to that game. And I'll probably still owe like 40 bucks. Uh, but I hear that there's a, is there a board game version of this that was shown? Yeah, at, it's going to be um, a card drafting game called Cyberpunk 2077 Afterlife um, that was announced at Gen Con. And I got to actually interview the, um, one of the lead designers on it. So what um, is this game about? Um, so basically it's, you're going to, instead of playing an actual like runner, um, like, you know, most cyberpunk games are um you're playing a fixer so you're you're basically one of the people that hires cyberpunk people and sends them out to do missions and like equips them with weapons and implants and other crazy stuff and apparently um part of it is also looking cool while they do it he, he wasn't able to elaborate exactly how that is going to uh play out but like <laughs> there's the, gonna be the a vogue component of it where you oh, have to yeah. he stand said, and like, pose it's with very, your figures it's supposed to be like very stylish and like your main resource that you're trying to Get, collect to win the game is street cred mm -hmm. um so uh basically yeah you're gonna be like drafting cyberpunks and gear and there's gonna be like a missions that that will change every time you play and you'll send people out to try to complete the missions and you're gonna want to make sure that they survive and they, they succeed and they also look awesome doing it but the other players and it's gonna be two to six players can play this um are okay. gonna be able to interfere with your missions as you're playing it Okay, so this is one against many or one against everybody kind of thing. Oh no, it's 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 fully competitive. Oh, oh, okay, okay. 
Uh, uh, but but is this a card shuffling or card building? You know, uh, it's it's deck, deck building. building. So okay. along the lines of like ascension okay. or um, nice, uh, or even like uh, seven wonders. You said. Do we know when this is coming out and what the the price point is Some, on this? Sometime next year, no price point announced yet. Um, it's going to be following the release of okay. the video game, so they're mm -hmm. kind of trying to wait to make sure that uh, the game actually hits in April before they announce anything for this. But they're apparently working very uh, actively with uh, CD Projekt Red, the the people who are making the uh, video game, to get the art and get the design aesthetic right. Very very cool. Now you're going to have more on this over at EscapistMagazine.com. Yeah, um, you can read my uh, my full interview with the design tomorrow on an escapist okay so escapistmagazine.com or if you're listening to this in the future head over to escapist magazine and just look for cyberpunk 2077 i'm sure you're going to find a lot of stuff there yeah One you'll other... also find my essay about how cool keanu reeves is and how excited <laughs> i am that he's going to be in that video game yeah that's that's an interesting thing i just I'm, there's something about that game that i just want to i mean i'm loving red dead redemption 2 right now mm -hmm. i mean if that's a, if there was a game that i've just been so absorbed with it is that game but i have a feeling that when 2077 rolls around, I'm just going to drift away and not play any other video games for probably a year because I'll be so absorbed into going into all the side quests, all the main quests, all the world explorations. And yeah, just I mean, if it's, if it's anything that. like The Witcher, that that seems very plausible. Yeah. Now, before we get into some of the other cool games that you saw, I wanted to just bring up Zombicide Second Edition from Simon Games. Um, I was surprised that this came out because they have so many expansions and so many different versions of Zombicide that are out. Uh, I finally went and picked up a copy of uh, one of the Zombicides, green something, I don't know what it is, uh, just so I could play it. And then now they're coming out with a 2.0 version of the game, which they said is supposed to be faster. It's supposed to be more engaging. It's supposed to be more new player friendly. Uh, so I don't know if you had heard anything about that or, or what you, know, you know I saw about it. it was, so uh, Simon is there. Come on. Or I'm not exactly sure how you're supposed to pronounce that. They're actually the people developing the cyberpunk game. So I was over ah, okay. at their booth uh, to do that interview. Um, and I, you know, I wanted to try to get in a zombie side. And for that matter, uh, God of War was their other new game that weekend. Mm -hmm. um, all weekend and all weekend, they were just packed like every single table. They, they were selling out stuff faster than they, they like, you know, most of the games that I wanted to get from them just instantly sold out. So they were doing great. Um, um, the the Zombicide looked really cool. Um, I never, you know, I haven't played it, so I couldn't say one way or the other, but um, uh, there seemed to be a lot of interest in it. Yeah, and um, I guess I'm looking at a site that says maybe this is going to be a Kickstarter game. Uh, I don't know. So be on the lookout for Zombicide Second Edition if you are into that, to that world. And I know that there's a lot of people who love Zombicide, so I did want to mention that. So there were a couple of other games, Sam, that you um, wanted to talk about. Uh, what, what you got on, on your plate that you came away with as, as a cool find at Gen Con 2019? Uh, sure. So yeah, one of the um, uh, when we're, while we're talking about video games, um, one of the ones I played was actually an indie game by the name of uh, Celasta Crown of the Magister, and it's um, it's an indie game by Tactical Adventures, which is a French company, and they're doing a Kickstarter soon to try to fund it. Um, and what it is is it's an extremely faithful uh, digital adaptation of uh, the rules for D and D Fifth Ed. Oh really? Uh, yeah. So, um, like, down to the fact that, like, one of the things they're doing to kind of really distinguish themselves from other um, isometric RPGs is um, they have like verticality. So, um, you know, in one of in the demo I played, uh, I was sneaking around a dungeon and I discovered there was like a camp of orcs that might have kidnapped some guy I was trying to save. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm above them. And I could do things like push rocks down to like mess with one of the guards oh, nice. and like shoot arrow 
clues and cast magic spells at them from above. Uh-huh. So like by the time that they got to me, the encounter was almost over because I'd done so much damage from above, which is just, you know, that's something that like is really common in a lot of shooters, but not something I see in a lot of like, you know, tactical turn-based RPGs. Mm-hmm. So what uh, is this... Um you know, high, you know, the graphics are super high res and um, you, you I mean, get like the, the graphics were only okay when I, they said most of the, uh, the graphics were, were not final. So they're, they're working on that. Um, but like, you know, it just was like deeply, deeply fiddly from a fit that standpoint. Like, you know, you had, uh, your cleric could like cast light to like light up a dark room and but then also had like a bunch of combat cantrips mm-hmm. and like you could take a short rest to like recover some of your powers after a fight um so it, it really really felt like playing fifth ed but in a digital form and then there was also very narrative focus so like each of my characters had different personalities and had different things that they kind of like wanted to get out of interaction so like at one point we you know we were talking to some people that were giving us a quest and they're like we'll give you food and so you know one the people was like you don't need to give us food it's fine and someone else was like yeah you better give us food and so you had to kind of choose which one of those uh characters you wanted to like take the lead in that interaction and then specifically which like D social skill they were using whether it was bluff or intimidate or diplomacy oh cool now uh, do we know if you get to roll up your own character yeah you're begins, gonna get or? to design your own characters based on like the open source uh classes and races um it was all locked in for the demo but okay. um it's supposed to be very customizable okay and so this is coming to kickstarter some point in the future but they just wanted to show off their their early early yeah, exactly. version of this get, to get people excited yep show off their prototype and okay. get build some buzz all right. Very, very cool. And then uh, you've got one more bargain quest. Is, yeah. Is, so that was, that's that was not like a bargain bin game, right? That's no, the actual name of the um, game. So that was a fun game that was released by uh, by Renegade at, at the con, which I liked. Um, and um, again, it's one of those games where I just really like the flavor of it. Um, basically, you're playing uh, shopkeepers in a fantasy world and you're trying to sell gear to adventurers. Um and so it's, again, a card drafting game. <laughs> yeah. Every turn you get to, um, you know, pass around some number of cards and then you have a little shop and you choose one card that you put in your display and that is going to determine what adventurers show up at your store. And so oh. if you put, say, if you put like a uh, holy symbol in your display, then a cleric is likely to show up at yeah. your store, but a wizard won't. Uh, whereas if you put like a bag of holding in your display, like anyone could show up there because that's just a miscellaneously useful item. Um, and then once they show up, you sell them gear and then send them off to go fight monsters. So and wait a minute. This sounds an awful lot, lot like Boss Monster. Um, it, it's it's a little like that, but I honestly found it a lot more enjoyable than Boss Monster oh, okay. because uh, <laughs> I, I honestly like I, I was not wild about Boss Monster. I found yeah. it to be like very, very imbalanced where I felt uh-huh. like this was everyone kind of like started off from a good standing point. Um, like because it's all fundamentally like um you know, no one had different abilities in yeah. this one. Yeah. Uh, everyone's drawing from the same pool, whereas okay. I felt like the bosses in Boss Monster were pretty imbalanced. Right, right. Yeah, no, but I just kind of that mechanic of you build it and you're trying to lure, you know, the adventurers to your shop and then you go and send them off to see, I guess, how how well they do. With, yeah, exactly. Uh, with so the you gear score that you points if with? they damage the monster and another point if they survive the monster. Um, and then they come back with like more treasure from fighting the monster, which then you're going to try to lure them back to your store. Ah, neat. Now that now that does sound like a fun game. And what yeah, is this? It, it's it it's really Bargain neat. Quest. This is a physical card game. 
Mm-hmm. And what do we know about shipping and price and, and where oh, I can buy it and all that stuff? I know it stuff. is currently sold out. Um, oh, really? Okay. Because it's sold out of the con, and I'm not sure exactly what the MSRP is on that. Let me see if I can figure it all out. All right. I'll, I'll look it up pretty cool. But uh, it, it sounds like it looks like, oh, my goodness. Uh, Kickstarter, it says $119. That can't be right. No, that's definitely not right. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll we'll look for that and uh, see what, uh, let's see, pre-order here is what it says from their website. Oh, it's $40. $40. On, uh, that's not bad. Yeah. It's like a pretty good, pretty good size game that's going to keep you entertained for Yeah, and it plays up to six players, which is nice because like having a, you know, bigger group game is, is uh, mm-hmm. always fun. It looks like it's coming out in August, so it's coming out, you know, now apparently because you yeah, can get it, it was at released the, at, the at Gen Con, but if you weren't there, you can order it now. Yeah. All right. Well, that sounds really cool. I I, I like the art on this. It looks really cool. Art. Oh, the art is adorable. Um, because like there's also like lots of every adventurer has like different special abilities and like so some like there's one that's like a little kid who has like all this mm-hmm. potential but like needs to be really protected, and there's like I, yeah you can see it on the cover there's like a a cat. Who like most of the time when you sell an adventure or gear, it goes away after the adventure. But there's yeah. a, a magical cat that becomes someone's familiar and sticks around with them forever. Okay, now, wow, I, I I don't know if they just had a limited number of of copies available after their Kickstarter, but Bargain Quest base game forty bucks. Then they also have one, two, three, four, five expansions, mini expansions. Wow. That are between five and ten dollars a piece. They have the Eight Bit Theater, the uh, Acquisitions Inc. Uh, version. Oh, they wow. also have a Chaotic Good, a Solo uh, Mode, and a uh, Table Titans version. Then they also have Bargain Quest: The Black Market Expansion. Twenty bucks there, also all sold out at their website. So apparently, uh, people just uh, love this thing. And uh, and snatched up as many copies as they can. So good luck trying to get that. Maybe that's where the hundred and nineteen dollars <laughs> came from. Somebody's trying to sell theirs online Seriously? already to uh, to get the uh, buzz on this. But yeah, I, I think this might be a, an interesting game to to check out. Wow, thanks for bringing that one to, the, to our attention. That's from Renegade Game Studios. Yeah, no problem. It's a smaller game, but I really enjoyed it. Uh, very cool. Anything else that you saw at the show that you wanted to uh, to bring up? Um, just another kind of small game that's that fandom that but I enjoyed uh, was called Bahamas. Um, it's by Matigo, Um, and it's a social deduction again light game, um, which again has I thought pretty fun flavor. Which is you've all you're master thieves and you've just pulled off a huge heist and you're on a plane flying away and the plane's going down and there are not enough parachutes. Oh um, no. So basically all the different players have uh, some number of items slash action cards, and those can include parachutes and all sorts of other things. And then they also have money. And the goal of the game is to survive and have the most money. Ah. And so everyone's like stealing cards from each other and like collecting cards, trying to find the parachutes and collect money. But then, of course, if you are just focusing on money, everyone's going to be like, oh, that person probably has a parachute as opposed to the if you're mm. trying to grab for the parachute, like your money might be safer, but you're not and if you even if you do survive, you might lose because you won't have enough money. So it's fast, it's funny, uh, it's very aggressive, just like a good, easy party game that very I nice. enjoyed. Very, very nice. Well, that's cool. It sounds like you had a fun time at the Gen Con 2019. Oh, yeah. And uh, as we wrap up the show this week, uh, again, thanks for being on the show. But where can people find you? Uh, they can find me at uh, escapismagazine.com. Um, they can also sometimes find me at uh, theverge.com. And they can find me on Twitter at uh, Samantha Nelson one 
All right, there you go. And listeners, thank you so much for checking us out this week. Don't forget our social media, Major Spoilers. And if you want to go check out our Munchkinland games, uh, you can find a lot of those video game playthroughs over at our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Major Spoilers Video. And of course, check out our Twitch channel when we're doing some live streaming of games, including that Red Dead Redemption 2 that I talked about over at twitch.tv slash Major Spoilers. We'll be back next week with an actual gameplay... But until then, here's hoping. Uh, or... <laughs> Different outro. Yeah, there we go. Until then, remember, it's not cheating if you don't get caught. This podcast is copyright 2019 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.